When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast here on a Wednesday. Uh, we got a packed show for you. Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock, and I are going to give you three things we're keeping an eye on as this week kicks off for the Browns as they prepare for the Chargers. Three things we're thinking, and then Lance Reisland is going to join the show to discuss what he saw in the Browns' loss to Atlanta and Pika had just a little bit uh, to the Chargers game on Sunday. Let's get right to it. Mary Kay, start us off. What are you thinking about as the week begins? Well, I'm thinking about uh, the best player on the Cleveland Browns and whether or not he's going to be back for this football game. That is Miles Garrett, uh, who, of course, was gunning for NFL Defensive Player of the Year before he uh, flipped his Porsche multiple times last week. Uh, He obviously sat out the Falcons game. We don't know yet if he's going to be playing on Sunday against the Chargers, but they could certainly, certainly use him. The Chargers are now starting uh, a new guy, a rookie at left tackle, uh, Jamari Salyer. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, But um, he's replacing Rashawn Slater, who was only in his second year, but made the Pro Bowl as a rookie last year. So he was off to a tremendous start. Uh, So that's what I'm thinking about, Dan. I'm thinking about, will they have Miles Garrett? Will they have Jadavian Clowney? And if they don't, how are they going to try to contain Justin Herbert, who is off to a tremendous, tremendous start this season? Yeah, Ashley, it's it's a concern because obviously, you know, we know what Justin Herbert can do. Uh, he's he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, even with the rib cartilage injury. You know, it's funny in that Kansas City game, he gets hurt. He can barely throw on one play. And then the next play, he makes one of the best throws you're going to see all season. Uh, that This is a this is a big task for this team and it's made even bigger if you got to go with Alex Wright and and Isaac Rochelle again, instead of, you know, at least having one of those two guys back. Yeah. And just think about what we were saying after this Falcons game about they're missing, you know, three of their four guys on starting guys on that defensive line. You're left without, you know, Jadavian Clowney, who's one of the best edge setters uh, and defending the run guys in this league obviously we know everything miles garrett does and then Taven bryans went out with a hamstring injury to kind of make matters much worse so you know and we talked about this like think about that falcons offense and we were talking about beforehand how many good who's the best quarterback this team has played so far this year it's kind of hard to answer it's a worthy bait debate to have and it's kind of hard to answer so justin herbert is going to automatically be that best quarterback they face this year. And if you don't have those two guys, that's going to be huge. And if you don't have Taven Bryan yet back back yet for some reason, that's just, I think we're going to see a lot of things get exacerbated kind of like they did against Atlanta this weekend. So Mary Kay kind of walk our listeners through like, as, as this week goes along, what are we watching with miles and JD? Well, 
the first thing we'll, we will be looking for, obviously, is when we show up on Wednesday, are they going to practice? It could be a situation where Kevin Stefanski and the medical staff decide that they want to give them a little bit of rest on Wednesday. We've been seeing some of that, uh, where a guy will rest on Wednesday, uh, you know, just to give his body a little bit more time to heal, then maybe come back on Thursday. So that'll be the key. Is, is seeing what they do in practice. Now, the last thing we heard about Jadavian Clowney was that he was really, really close to returning. Well, if he was really, really close last week and he did make the trip to Atlanta, you know, maybe he'll be ready to play this week. I, I would have to think that he's getting close enough to actually get out there and play even on a limited basis. Miles has a shoulder injury. It's an AC joint sprain. Initially, when they evaluated it, he was supposed to be out about one to two games at the very least. Uh, so he already missed the one game. Now we have to figure out if he's ready to come back. And, you know, would he risk further injury if he plays? I think that's key because you don't want to be without him for any length of time and put him out there if he's not really healthy. So they're going to have to test it with all of their uh, machines and tricks that they do and see if he is actually ready to get out there and uh, and play with this sprained left shoulder. Okay, so here's what I'm kind of thinking about this week, and we're, we're going to kind of keep going down this this road with the defense. I have some concerns, e- even with the injuries, where this defense is at, because after four weeks, I have to imagine that this is, this is not the place they wanted to be. So they are currently, if you just look at, at your traditional counting stats, they are, I got to count up here, 32, 31, 30, 29, 28th in yards allowed per game. Now, Buffalo's behind them. Buffalo's allowed more yards per game. Philadelphia's allowed more yards per game. They've also both played better schedules. But, you know, th- those are pretty good defenses. So you go to some of the advanced stats and you look at DVOA and the Browns are 30th. Seattle is behind them. Detroit is behind them. Arizona one spot ahead of them in overall defensive DVOA. If PFF is your thing and you look at the Browns defensive grade, they are 28th defensively. So Ashley, when you look at these defensive numbers, even with the injuries that they've had, Anthony Walker out for the season, Miles Garrett has missed one game. Jadavion Clowney has missed, I, I guess, two and a half games or two and a quarter games. I still think there's some concern here about where this defense is at after four games. And and then I feel like they've got some work to do. Yeah. I think it's especially striking because when we came into this season and they Browns don't have Deshaun Watson for the first 11 games, the point of conversation over and over again was, well, at least the defense is going to be okay. Right. These guys have all been together. Now they've had more time in Joe Woods system from like the first day of training camp on we're hearing guys, talk about how the vibes are different the chemistry feels better all these things and then for whatever reason they're getting out there and you're just not seeing it and I mean I do kind of think for me watching it I wasn't here last year but a lot of it feels like kind of similar to last year in the sense that a lot of guys miss time during training camp especially I think the biggest two for me were Greg Newsom and Denzel Ward missed like a decent amount of time again and it just looks like it because when you're watching it it's like why else are these breakdowns happening like communication breakdowns in particular and it's more than one thing like it's that's not the only thing that's happening it's not all on the secondary 
but that's a pretty big thing. And I think it's unexpected because no one really <laughs> expected that to be a problem. I even asked Greg Newsom about that after the Jets game, if it had kind of caught them by surprise. And he said it had. So it's even caught them by surprise. I think it's caught most people who have, you know, know what's going on with this team and kind of know the pieces and parts of that make it up. I don't think anyone expected this to be an issue. And you're right, Dan, it's something they have to figure out and figure out quickly, even with these guys who are out now. So, you know, Mary Kay, obviously last year, this defense got off to a bad start and got better. We know that ideally in the NFL, you're playing your best football kind of around Thanksgiving and and down that, that home stretch, which, which is what this defense did last year. That's sort of when the playoff race really heats up. That's when the good teams really start playing well. How concerned are you about this defense right now, though, as as far as where they are after four games and, and where this could be headed? You know, I'm not overly concerned about it because I feel like there's a lot of talent on this defense. I think they're in a state of flux right now. I think when I look at the Falcons game, I see that Anthony Walker Jr., who I think was off to a really good start in his first couple of games, sat out that game and is out for the rest of the season. And it was Jacob Phillips' first time uh, really, you know, starting in there and playing the whole game and wearing the green sticker as the signal caller. And I don't know yet exactly what impact that had or, um, you know, how much of a drop off there is yet from Anthony to Jacob. So we need to keep an eye on that. And then I look at, you know, the fact that Miles and Jadavian were both out of that game. And I, I just think that's huge. And as you mentioned, this was the second straight game without Jadavian. And I think that makes a difference. I think he's a really, really amazing football player, kind of underrated because he's been so injured over the last three or four years. Uh, but he just does everything really well. Uh, he gets the pressures. He sets the edge. He's just good. Um, so I think that game with those two guys out, I, I just I've said it. I've written it. I think they would have won the game if those two guys had played. I don't think that uh, the Atlanta Falcons would have run for 170 yards in the second half against the Cleveland Browns with those two guys on the field. So I'm not overly concerned at this point because I still think there's a lot of, of room for improvement and room to grow. And I think they will do that. But the thing that keeps jumping into my brain is the fact that, and we've talked about it, they haven't played any quarterbacks yet. They have not played anybody good yet. I mean, they look, Baker Mayfield is last in the NFL in QBR, and he was able to hit a 75-yard touchdown pass on them. So the big plays are still somewhat of a concern. They they are still having their issues in that regard. And, um, you know, maybe last week's 42-yard pass, I don't know, maybe that did have something to do with communication, linebackers, you know. Um, you know, we'll have to see going forward, maybe now that they've got another week under their belt with Jacob in there calling those signals. Maybe they'll straighten some of that out. But I mean, now is when they're going to be going against again, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Tom Brady, you know, I mean, so the concern is the opponent from here on out. Um, but I do think the Browns themselves will get better. Yeah. I, I still believe in the talent. I like, I would not be shocked if this defense came out and somehow managed to shut down Justin Herbert somehow. Now, I wouldn't be shocked if it went the other way either, but it's just we know the talent is there. We know the ability is is there for this defense to kind of you know flip it on a dime. 
Uh, and, and who knows, maybe it happens this week and, and they surprise us all. Ashley, what have you got? Well, we talked about some of the key guys on the Browns who have been out or injured. So let's talk about the Chargers, because that's what I'm thinking about. The fact that the Chargers aren't going to have Joey Bosa. You know, there's reports out there he's going to be out about eight to ten weeks. He's on IR right now, had surgery um, after hurting his groin. And then Justin Herbert, I know we we mentioned has been dealing with a rib cartilage fracture. And, you know, in the process of rewatching their game, Dan, I know you brought up the fact that sometimes it, you know, he's making throws, but like sometimes it looks like maybe he he's not too eager to run if he doesn't have to and can get out of that. So it's almost like the Browns defense here might get a, a slight break and the offense might get a slight break without Joey Bosa, but it's like, can they take advantage of it? And like you said, this is maybe an opportunity to try to shut Justin Herbert down. It's not like they don't have the personnel if everybody plays, but it's going to be interesting to kind of see how injuries impact both of these teams, I think, going into this one. Yeah, Mary Kay, I mean, Herbert's not He's not Lamar Jackson. He's not Josh Allen when it, when it comes to running, but it's a part of his game. And, and he's he's athletic enough that he can hurt you if there's a lane open up the middle or and there's no no throws for him to make. So at least that's one less thing you have to worry about, because it doesn't seem like his throwing is, is really being that affected by this rib injury. No, but, um, you know. Seven days is a lot of time to heal up a little more, you know? I mean, so that rib injury could be feeling significantly better this Sunday than it even did last Sunday. I mean, these guys go through uh, an incredible amount of treatment during the week. And I mean, with all the new technology and lasers and all kinds of things, I mean, he could be feeling way, way better. I mean, I think you guys probably see it too. I mean, like you, you hear this guy's going to be out for, you know, this long stretch of time. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's like thinking about playing next week. I mean, <laughs> you know, we, you kind of hear that stuff. Um, so, you know, he'll be that much better this week than he was last week. So I think that, um, you know, he might be a little bit more mobile uh, but I'm sure the Browns are going to want to make him think about that rib injury. And that's once again, where uh, Miles Garrett would come in. That's where Jadavian Clowney would come in. Uh, they really want to get him off his mark. They really want to sack him. They really want to get a helmet into his rib cage if they possibly can. Um, I mean, sorry to say that's, you know, that's the name of the game in football. Remember when Cam Hayward said that about, Baker Mayfield. We want to make him think about that rib injury. It's just what you do. Um, so yeah, I think he's, I think he'll be better uh, than he was and he's coming off a good game. So, um, you know, I don't know that his injury will be an enormous factor this week. And Ashley, you mentioned uh, Joey Bosa, of course, is out. They, they have Khalil Mack, but there is a little bit of bite left bite lost when, when you don't have those two edge rushers, right? It's almost like what the Browns yeah. are dealing with. Like, yep even if they only get one back it's still easier to deal with one than two and especially with the this browns offensive line and and given you know bill callahan is one of the best offensive line coaches in the game i'm sure they're going to be scheming that and those matchups that they want to try to get and mismatches and and doubles and, and all that stuff all week and we talked about it a lot when the browns played the steelers how much easier it became for them to do that without jadavian Clowney because it's a lot easier to send double teams and chip blocks miles garrett's way without Jadavian in so it's kind of a very similar thing and the Browns have a great offensive line so that certainly might help them okay I think that's everything uh the Browns preparing to play the Chargers 
on Sunday at First Energy Stadium, a 1 p.m. kickoff. Hey, that's always a little bit of an edge, right? When you got to play a West Coast team flying in to, to play yeah. at one o'clock. So there we go. They got that going for them, too. Uh, the Browns are two and two. The Chargers are also two and two. So both teams really kind of, I don't want to say desperate for a win, but both teams could certainly benefit uh, from winning this game on Sunday at First Energy Stadium. Uh, Lance Reisland is going to come up on the other side to look back at the Atlanta game. Mary Kay and Ashley, I will talk to both of you later. And now we welcome on Lance Reisland to look back on the Browns' loss to the Falcons on Sunday. Uh, Lance, let's get into some of your observations from the game. And first of all, let's just start with the, of course, decision everyone was talking about, and that was the decision to go for it on fourth and three on the opening series. What were your thoughts on that decision by Kevin Stefanski? Well, I watched that series a bunch, and you know, and my my decision didn't come down to fourth down. And in fact, I I don't think it was a bad call at all. To be honest with you, they had momentum. Uh, I had a couple questions when, when they went for it. And first was my it was the third down call. They went tempo, um, so they started off. They had uh, um, they ran an outside zone. DPJ and Swartz got mixed up there in a man coverage, and they mixed up a blocking assignment, which caused. Uh, Nick Chubb to get tackled for a loss. Then they ran a good route to uh, Harrison Bryant. He ran a little hunt route over the middle and got down to the three. Then they went tempo. And if I have a question, I didn't think it was a bad call, but they went tempo. And their tempo call is that outside zone to the right. And the only thing that happens with that is that safety, Richie Grant was in that alley because it's on the three-yard line. So they ran a one-back zone to the right, um, and there's just too many helmets there. And that was that would be my only question. The four-down call – uh, I've been asked a number of times would I have kicked the field goal. The only reason I may have kicked the field goal is because they did have a negative play on third down. And sometimes just that momentum and just how things go uh, early on. But that's kind of how they, you know, you live and die by it. And they they've been, they had a couple drives where, you know, it was helpful for them. So the fourth down call wasn't my issue. I think it was more the third down call going tempo and running a one-back zone down in there where there's a lot of helmets. Yeah, I mean, he went for it two more times on fourth down, and they came away with points on on each of those drives. They obviously were in different situations, but there was the one uh, at the Falcons' 39, I believe it was, and then there was the one at their own 29-yard line, actually, which it's kind of funny if you're going to question the process of you know the decision-making as opposed to the result. That's maybe the one you would question the most is going for it from your own 29 yard line. But when you have Jacoby Brissett who can sneak like he can, it's almost less a, a roll of the dice than you would think. It's kind of the DNA now. It's kind of what the NFL teams are doing. And, and I'm in agreement when you have these big quarterbacks, you know, some, some guys are really good at it and the analytics of it and, and, and things they do. I'm not, I, I like the aggressiveness. Uh, sometimes obviously in hindsight, it's 2020, they've had a lot of success with uh, running that zone. Uh, and when they go tempo, but my only thing is, like I said, I have more concerns about the the second red zone in terms of how they handled the formation and in, in, in the plays. And that would be more of a concern than that first one. The first one, hey, they went for it and they lost it. You know, I, I don't think that was the major deal, though. All right. So let's get to that that second red zone when they get down to the one yard line. Uh, they run Nick Chubb. Uh, he, he fumbles, but he was ruled down. Uh, forward progress stopped. Uh, it looked in real time like maybe they got that call wrong. Then I saw a couple replays that looked like he was down on a pile of bodies. Um, but e- either way, the Browns get to keep the football. But then they don't go to Nick Chubb again. What What were your thoughts on that series? Well, my initial thoughts were the personnel group. It was 13 personnel with done at the tight end, and they had Froholt at the, uh, the H with the fullback. 
Um, and they went and they shifted to a double wing. They went back to back with that. Um, I thought it was just when they say cute or getting a little cute or too much. I just think with the Browns and with Nick Chubb, he's that good. I don't think you have to be. I think sometimes you have to disguise things and window dress things down there and get people out of the box. I don't think you have to do that with Nick Chubb. I, you can't tell me, um, you know, as a coach, I would always say, you're going to tell me you're going to stop Nick Chubb four times from that distance. I, I'd i be willing to bet you don't have to block many people and he can get it in. So I wasn't, it wasn't necessarily, again, it was the first time, it was the personnel that was concerning to me, or I would question uh, giving to Nick Chubb on a dive play when you've been successful at the power and uh, things you're doing. Um, and then the second down, throwing the ball down there in that same personnel group, uh, I thought was a little bit, and then they got the hold. Uh, then the screen was there. Uh, and then Nick Chubb, everybody said that was, for me, everybody's blaming Brissett on the screens. That's a that's a total team thing. And Nick Chubb didn't get enough chip on that end. Uh, you got to stop him in his tracks. We always say you got to stop his feet on a screen. Whoever's coming, you got to stop his tracks so, so Brissett can kind of get out of there and throw the ball. So I just thought it was a missed opportunity on third down. Uh, again, I didn't mind running the ball. I just didn't think they had to be in 13 personnel and do all the, the, the getting the double wing with Froholt and done. I just thought, just stay basic, run the ball and get it and get points. Yeah, I, I kind of felt the same way. I, I didn't necessarily mind calling a pass play in that situation. But when you put Michael Dunn and you put Froholt on the field, those guys aren't catching the football. Now, you might run a trick play. We see it in the, we see it sometimes or you'll throw to an offensive lineman or do something weird like that but it didn't seem like that was part of the design of that play and it just almost felt like if you were going to go bigger personnel you know why not why not put a couple more pass catchers on the field maybe Harrison Bryant uh Miller Forrestall something like that it, it did seem a little strange um that that decision to to throw from that personnel grouping I I, I agree with you on that one yeah I just you know I Nick Chubb, you, the more and more you watch him, and I've been in football for so long, and some guys are just, they're just awe-inspiring when you watch. He's incredibly talented. He's incredibly hard to tackle. Um, I just think you line up and what you do well. I think they run a gap power like they did the week before for a touchdown. Run gap power, pull Bentonio, you know, go 13, regular 13 personnel, and make them stop you two or three times in a row. I just think you know, and, and I've seen it around the NFL and these guys, and they, they do a great job. And I like all the creativity. And uh, as a, as a coach, I like all that stuff, but with Nick Chubb, for me, it's different. I'm making them tackle Nick Chubb. If I, if I'm the Browns coordinator, I'm saying from inside the five, there's no way somebody's going to stop with that offensive line. They're going to stop Nick Chubb. I don't know. I just thought they got maybe a little more creative than they had to. And, and that Nick Chubb 28 yard touchdown run was a thing of beauty the blocking he went untouched and then that that gear he has uh that that was the full nick chubb experience there and the full browns run game experience uh now you mentioned kind of just running it at people that's what arthur smith decided to do marcus mariota throws the interception and arthur smith says all right that's it we're done throwing the ball for a little while runs 14 straight run plays including all 10 of one of their scoring drives you broke down every single play on that drive. What did you see? Well, they, their run fits were bad. And, you know, a simple way to look at a run fit is that everybody has a gap. Everybody has. So you go from the center out, you have A, B, C, D gap. You have, you know, D gap usually being the tight end out to the sideline. And everybody's a gap control and everybody's got to have gap integrity. And they just lost it. When you watch it from the all 22, the end zone, there's just terrible gap integrity. They, have, they lo Everybody loses their run fit. And, you know, during that 10 plays, they ran – 
Uh, they started off with a toss with the crack uh, on right, and then they ran uh, a duo. And then the next seven of the next eight plays were a zone concept. So of the, of the 10 plays, they ran basically nine plays where they're doubling people. And for me, that's always been my concern um, is those D tackles getting doubled. Um, and it kind of came, kind of came to life. Uh, I also thought breaking down the film, um, as well as I think he's doing some good things. Jacob Phillips has also got to play that zone concept better. And, uh, he's got to be downhill more. He's running sideline to sideline. So on that double, he's got to get outside that double team and attack that guy. And, you know, we always hear about setting the edge on the outside. There's also setting the edge on the inside on that zone. And then, and when you run sideline to sideline, all those big guys do is wall you off. And they create those big cutback lanes. So uh, it was a lot of doubles. It was here we come. Um, you know, the Browns went to one five-man surface where they brought a guy up. It didn't matter. Um, they were moving. There was general two- to three-yard vertical displacement on every play. And that's something they're going to have to definitely work on or be creative in terms of moving those guys to stop the run, I think. Overall, Jacob Phillips' performance, I, I saw some clips on Twitter and, and I saw some things where he kind of happened what what you said happened. He kind of got caught up in traffic a little bit, got walled off a little bit. Overall, what did you think of his performance when you watched? I'm actually breaking down Jacob Phillips right now. I actually started that a lot today um, when I had time. And the thing, there's a couple things. First of all, he plays great energy. He runs very well sideline to sideline. Um, he has a he has the ability to stop and start, uh, get through holes. He does a lot of things really, really well. A couple of concerns I have would be his ability to play the double team right at him. So when he gets that inside zone or that duo scheme right at him, uh, he gets walled off. Uh, another concern I have is that he loses his sense of direction kind of after the run fake in terms of where he's going in his pass drops. Uh, I think those things will come with time, uh, with practice. Uh, I thought, you know, the thing that he does, though, it, it, he's got the green dot now is he plays with great energy. Uh, every mistake he makes is an aggressive mistake. There's no lack of energy. There's no lack of uh, effort. Um, he's just really got to work on the, the, the glaring issue for me would be those double teams coming right at him. He's got to play more north-south and not so much east-west because that's what's happening. He's The defensive tackles are getting moved a little bit. He's running to the sideline to try to catch, you know, try to beat the zone to the outside. And they're just walling them off and getting those big cutbacks. And that's just that that happened on that drive over and over and over. It was a big double team, him overrunning it and them um, them cutting back. And that's basically what happened on that drive. Now, there's positives that we're going to get to, but I do need to ask about the one big play um, in that fourth quarter, the 42 yarder and then the face mask tacked on to the end. I've watched that play a number of times. I can't quite decide what went wrong. I have like two options. So either Sione Takitaki was over aggressive and maybe should have played deeper or Denzel Ward and John Johnson, the third got mixed up somehow because they both ended up following. I believe it was Drake London. They both, and en- they both ended up following Drake London deep and Zacchaeus coming across the middle. There's nobody within 10 yards of him. Um, so what what do you think happened on that play? Well, I sent it to you on during the game, and I and I really I stick by it. I I agree with you. Taki Taki's playing the flat there. Uh, you know, you get a little inside the pocket scramble by Mariota, which makes it uh, over five second play for the quarterback. He's there, you know, over four four and a half to five seconds. Um, it looks like a true cover three. 
Um, those guys are taking cover three drops, so they each have a third. Um, like you said, Drake uh, London ran a pretty good route where he kind of split the difference. And the concept I always like to say when you're splitting that difference is try to get both the corner and the safety's eyes on you. And when you get both the corners and safety's eyes on you, you're going to continue to drop. Uh, so they drop, and it looks like the underneath coverage is Taki Taki, and he gets caught up uh, with the run action and, and gets getting his hands on and being aggressive. Uh, and then you have that big window. So basically what they do is they clear Ward out, and then they run they run that over route, the sale route, and there's just no one there. So it's more of a, a more of lack of pass rush and that little scramble by Mariota. Um, but I think they got to get home. Um, I think Taki Taki's got to be more, you know, play that flat a little better. Once again, that's for me. That was more time in the pocket and that, uh, that scramble that caused that. And and I feel like Taki Taki might have bit on that play action pretty mm-hmm. hard too. Um, he gets blocked for a little while, and and certainly somebody's got to cover that back, I suppose. But it it did look a little bit like he bit pretty hard on that play action that they ran. And then once you get you know, and then they had a foul with those guys, the speed they have. Once you get a, a step, so he steps up a little bit. You got Drake London running the vertical. Uh, he runs, he kind of splits the difference between Johnson and Ward and their eyes are on him and they're bailing and they're, you know, their job in cover three, you can't get beat deep. So then you give Mariota who steps up a little bit. You, the, those guys aren't in the rush lanes, really. They let them step up and it just creates a big void. And it's more of the uh, lack of, I don't say lack of pass rush, but just kind of the, the maneuverability of, of uh, Mariota, lack of pass rush, Taki Taki kind of, uh, like you said, biting on the play action there and, and, and basically just getting caught. Okay, uh, you know, you mentioned it when you sent me your list of, of stuff you wanted to talk about. There were positives in this game. Uh, you, you pointed to a lack of um, making the key plays when they're needed, but there were positives. So what what, were, what are some of the positives that you took away from this? I think the Browns are sticking to their identity, which I really like. Even when things are going bad, they're sticking to their identity. And, um, you know, Nick Chubb had uh, 19 carries for 118 yards. You know, me personally – um, and once again, I'm a little bit more of an old school guy from my father. I, I think Nick Chubb should carry the ball 25, 30 times. I just think he's in that that Henry mode where he can he's so big and, and powerful. I think he can handle that load. So uh, but they are sticking to their, their identity. Um, I don't you know, they're averaging five yards a rush again in a game. Um, I don't feel there's panic. Um, if you watch the Browns over the last couple of years and I'm watching different with you guys this year. But I don't feel like there's a lot of panic. And that's a big thing for me as a coach in terms of when they go back to work uh, during the work week. There are things that they're doing that are correctable and some of the key plays they're missing. But there's not a lot of panic. You feel um, when Brissett and the offense gets out there, if their defense, they can get a stop. Uh, they had trouble, obviously, this week with the run game. But you don't feel there's panic that they can't do something. And for me, um, you know, both as a person who watches football, as a fan, as, a, you know, whatever it may be, I don't feel there's a lot of panic, and I think that's a huge positive. And it's a huge positive when you go back to practice that they have the ability to correct. You know, most of the things that are going wrong are correctable. The only thing that's not correctable right now in terms of you go, uh uh-oh, is maybe those double teams. And for me as a coach, they're going to have to be creative and stop in the run, I think. So, yeah, I think they're sticking their identity. They're not panicking. Um, You almost, you know, people, you know, you don't jump ship. I don't feel like anybody's jumping ship. They're, They're staying positive. And it it will turn, and they're going to run the ball, and they're going to shorten games, and I think it will turn for sure. Okay. Uh, things about to get very interesting for this football team with the Chargers coming to town. Um, I know, Lance, you'll, you'll have some stuff about the Chargers coming up uh, on the website later this week. Uh, I'll, I'll say this. I watched the Chargers-Texans game earlier today, the, the condensed game. I just feel like the Browns and Chargers are – 
very similar right now. <laughs> they're both, they're both, they both have the same record and they're both sort of trying to figure out exactly who they are. And, and they're kind of dealing with some injuries as well. So um, should, should be an interesting matchup as the schedule starts to get a little bit tougher for the Browns moving forward. Uh, Lance, I appreciate the time. Thanks for having me as always. Okay, Dan, back here. I want to try one more thing before we go here, and I tell you about Football Insider. This is something I'm I'm trying here. It's my NFL power rankings, but I'm doing it college football playoff style. So I'm going to pick seven playoff teams from each conference. I've got to follow the rules of picking one team from each division, but I'm going to actually seed them one through seven. I'm going to power rank them one through seven. This is my NFL playoff committee of one. We're going to go real quick here. So let's get at it. We'll start with the AFC and my number one team is the Buffalo Bills. That comeback win over Baltimore was impressive. I felt like that Miami loss was a little bit fluky. They ran over 90 plays in that game on offense, a game they should have won. Number one in DVOA and that defense, it is for real. Number two, Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes, still the man. And I was really impressed with how they bounced back from a disappointing loss against the Colts to beat Tampa and what I think is a pretty good defense. My number three team, Miami. That's also my first wild card. They beat the number one team in Buffalo. Like I said, I think Buffalo is the better football team. But look, you got to let the wins count for something. Their only loss came against the Bengals. It was when Tua got hurt. And they're number two in offensive DVOA. And as you're about to find out, I really like Cincinnati. They're number four. It feels like their preseason is over and they're trending the right way. Very sneakily, that defense might be good. My number five team, second wild card, Baltimore. Stop blowing leads, guys. Lamar Jackson's playing like an MVP. The two losses are those blown leads to Buffalo, who's number one, and Miami, who I've got number three. Number six is Jacksonville. Got to have somebody from the South. What could have been an impressive win over Philly didn't happen, but still a lot to like. Again, just nobody else in this division impressive. And the Chargers are my number seven team, my last wild card. Are they good? Yeah, I don't know how good. They should have beaten Kansas City, but they're two and two with wins over Houston and the Raiders. And I think the Raiders are better than their record. So I'll put a little more stock in that than the Browns two and two record. The Browns are my first team out. They just haven't played anyone. And this is a team that should be three and one or four and oh. Over to the NFC, Philadelphia is my number one. They're the only undefeated team in the league. They showed some toughness against Jacksonville. DVOA loves them. They're number one in the NFC, followed by Green Bay. Yeah, Green Bay, number two, just win, baby. An easy schedule. It allowed them to bounce back from a loss to Minnesota. And they very well could be six and one as uh, they face the Giants, Jets, and Commanders coming up next. My number three, San Francisco. Maybe a little too reactionary to that Monday night game, but they know who they are. And that defense is fierce. Tampa Bay is number four. Still like them. I'm not putting too much stock in that loss to the Chiefs. I think the defense should be fine. And they have games against the Falcons, Steelers, and Panthers coming up to get right. My number five, my first wild card, Minnesota. I know they beat Green Bay. But if you've got a feel for this team, good for you. Because I do not. Dallas is number six. Could you imagine taking advantage of an easy schedule with a backup quarterback to go three and one? There's a team nearby here that I think would have really liked that to happen. They've got the Rams this week. We'll see how that goes. The Rams are my number seven team. They're kind of just spinning their wheels here early, but they're too talented to leave out right now. As for my first team out, who do you want? Seattle, Arizona, Atlanta, whoever you want, man, take who you want. The Seahawks are third in offensive DVOA. I'll give them some shine this week. There you go, my NFL playoff committee of one. 
sign up for Football Insider. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. You get a newsletter. You get to be one of our texters. You get access to exclusive stories on Cleveland.com slash Browns. All you got to do is go to Cleveland.com slash Browns, click the blue banner at the top of the page, get info, and get signed up. Okay. My thanks to Mary Kay and Ashley, who joined me earlier. And of course, Lance Reisland, who joined me to break down that loss to the Falcons. I'm Dan Lobby. Thanks for listening, everybody.